Stonecutters Podcast, Aaron Hankins. Will Catlett. In the building. In the building. Woo! Disclaimer. <laughs> Disclaimer. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the artists and do not reflect those of their employers. So, Will, it's been a really tough week for mm-hmm. a lot of our listeners, for you and me. How are you feeling right now? You know, um, that's a good question because I'm actually thinking about now um, a DM I got from a young lady that I was in acting class with. And she said, Will, how are you feeling? I know you're probably hurting. And um, if you need anything, don't hesitate. Please let me know. And I got that from a couple folks, um, especially my boys in Canada and Australia, because, you know, they're seeing the news from the U.S. probably even more amplified. Yeah. And they were checking in and saying, man, this sucks, man. We're standing with you. How you doing, bro? And normally I'm good, which, which I am good, you know. Um, you know, RIP, rest in power to George Floyd and rest in power to everyone that we lost. You know, we can go names and hashtags all day long. And usually, Aaron, you know, hard for me to post about these things. And it's not that I don't want to be a part of the change. And I do post. But each time I see one of us uh, gunned down or like Brother Floyd with the knee on the neck, you know, you can't help but see yourself. And so the more I post about about it, the more it reminds me of seeing that image. And that image also goes across the world and people see us in that image. However, um, we are strong people. We are loving people. We are people full of hope and love and joy and peace. And I think we're at a great turning point in America. Um, also, um, you know, we've been seeing a lot. I live downtown, so everything downtown is pretty much boarded up. And we've been on curfew. All the stores are boarded up. Um, even my boy, Joe, uh, he has a shop called The Small Shop. And he's an African-American guy, loves the community, good friend of mine. Um, if the protesters knew, who, we don't know who broke into his shop. But if you knew that that was Joe's shop, you wouldn't have done that. And Joe, he took a different approach. He said, I don't care if they burn it down. If that causes us to save one life, then let them burn the store down. If that causes change, let them burn the store down. And so many people saw that approach and his mindset towards that, which was remarkable and quite brilliant and uh, definitely a great uh, revelation and a philosophy to have about that. But then that let me know that it's a lot of senselessness going on in the protest, you know, um, even the way you're seeing people flip off the cops and, and, you know, yelling at the cops. But you can't hear what the cops are saying back neither. But we just need to know that you don't want to tear down the house that you live in. You don't a house divided cannot stand. You don't want a civil war to break out in the United States. I've been across to other countries. A lot of Americans haven't traveled, so they don't know the benefits of being in America, even though we do have oppression. And I think that's what the knee on George's neck represented for a lot of us, not just black, but other my, our, our Latin brothers and sisters, our uh, Caucasian brothers and sisters, Asian. our Indian brothers and sisters. I mean, you, our Asian brothers and sisters, that represented like how long 
can we be uh, put down in a way, whether that's economically, whether that's physically, whether that's spiritually, it just represented, you know, oppression, period. So with that being said, we have an opportunity. We must see the opportunity to rise. We must see the opportunity to rise up out of this this thing and, and become a stronger nation. And I think it's always necessary and needed to pray for your nation. You may not agree with Trump. You may not like Trump. Some may like Trump, but always pray for the leader of the country because if the leader's out of order, the country will be out of order. So we wanna make sure that we're praying, you know, God intervene, God hear our prayers, save our nation, continue to make us a great nation. Um, and you do that because you want prosperity and love and joy to flow in this nation, which gives opportunity for everyone. Okay. You said something that I wanna, that I wanna touch on, but before you go there, I just would give you a quick recap. Um, my sentiments kind of echo yours. Um, with inside Nike, um, there's a lot of change going on. Um, nothing that I can that I can really talk about at the moment. But what I can tell you is that there's been an outpouring of people wanting mm -hmm. to learn and listen. And there's just been. Um, I'm actually amazed at the number of black people that work at Nike that I've never met before. And the company is huge. I understand that, and the corporation is huge. But there are people that I, they, they bring me inspiration in life just by sitting on a Zoom call with them for an hour, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, it, and it's, mm -hmm. some of it is just seeing people that look like you. Some of it is seeing these people that are your teammates. These are people that you actually work with. Um, some of my experiences from prior to joining Nike have, have put me into a position that being at Nike, I can see how fortunate we have it with some things just like you traveling i've also traveled but it's like i traveled mm -hmm. and worked for a bunch of different companies and now that i'm at nike i'm just like hey guys like there's plenty of things that nike can do better internally but look at some of our messaging look at the way that some of our leaders right now are leaning in and they want to have these difficult conversations and working in the aerospace industry and working in the semiconductor industry, I don't know if our black engineers, if our black employees at those companies are getting the same level of respect, if people are listening to them, if the company is, mm -hmm. really, if the company is really willing to change. So, mm -hmm. Will, you said something that is going to be extremely polarizing, and I want to understand it. Pray mm -hmm. for the leader of our country. When, mm -hmm. you, when you pray for somebody... Do you mm -hmm. have to do you have to like the person to pray for them? No, because you've got to think about it's not only about you. It's about one decision from our president affects everybody. So why would you not pray for your leader, for your country? You know, this is the great United States of America, no matter how you cut it. Because if you don't, then you disregard everything that Malcolm, everything that Ida B. Wells, Martin Luther King, Marcus Garvey, you, 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 you know, the people that were here before people came over here, the our blood, sweat, and tears that we put into this land. Um, so when someone is risen up in power, you pray for them, just like you would pray uh, uh, for a dictator. Hey, may his heart change. 
because that's just the law of the land. You don't have to like that person. You don't have to agree with that person, but that person is in power and prayer changes things. Just like, uh, you know, for any company, that maybe somebody may not be the president. It may be the, a CEO at Nike. Pray for that person, you know? Pray for that person because they're going to be the one that strokes the pen to get a bill signed. This is why lobbyists lobby and take them out and, 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 and pay for the campaign. What are they doing? They're trying to get their voice heard. So I think it's very important to always do that, to always be in a spirit of prayer for your nation. You know, and, and the great thing about United States, even people, but they get most of it from the, which is you have to follow the law of the land, but the law must work for the people, not oppress people. So once we get past that, then we have the opportunity to really have a beautiful country. And that's the message that we should be pushing because once that, that, that message gets out there like that, things can change. Is it going to happen overnight? Is George going to be the last black man that is killed? We can't say yes and no. We hope that we hope so, but due to police brutality. But we can't say that's going to be the thing. But what can we do? We can get into the police force. We can get into the Senate. We can get into the local government. We can get in and, 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 and have our voice heard in that way. But one thing I've been loving about this whole uh, coming together and protest it's bringing all people together and say, hey, enough is enough. We can't just have black people say, hey, I'm sick and tired, enough is enough. We need everyone to say it. And we also need to say that in our communities as well, in the inner cities of Chicago, in the inner cities of Detroit, in the inner cities of, of Baltimore. Every inner city around the world needs to come together. I remember back in the day when you needed a, 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 some sugar, you can knock on the neighbor's door and get some sugar. You can knock on the neighbor's door and borrow an egg. We're not doing those things. We're losing the sense of community. So when I say, you know, pray, you know, uh, I, I do the same thing. Hey, God, you're in control of all things. I trust you. You know all things. I know that all things are working together for my good, even if I don't see it. Lord, we pray that your hand will be upon the president of the United States that he will move on behalf of your people. See, it's a different thing, you know, just like if you may be going through something, Lord, I pray that you would help my brother Aaron. I always pray for you. Let Aaron be a clear distinction from everyone else at Nike. Let his star shine. Let him shine bright. I know what you put in him. He can be such a benefit to the company in so many ways that they may not see. So, you know, that's the type of uh, way that we should be moving. Now, everybody may not subscribe to that, and that's yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. It ain't for everybody. Some people are saying, you know, look, I ain't praying for them. Get them up out of there, you know, yeah. and that's okay. You have freedom of speech, and I'm not going to argue with you if you want, if you have that freedom of speech. That's your freedom of speech. That's how you feel. Okay. And I got reasons to feel how I feel, too. You know what I'm saying? Just, I don't agree with everything. Oh, those are nice guys with guns. And then these guys are thugs. I'd be like, Trump, if I can talk to Trump, Trump, come on, bro. I'd be like, president, president, come on, man. Let's, let's keep it fair now. Let's keep it fair. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, prayer changes things. So there's like the compounding effect. And we talked about positive compounding mm -hmm. when we're trying to achieve things and, and you're trying to achieve actions and you compound an action on top of an action on top of an action. 
but we're seeing sort of this mm-hmm. negative compounding where we're all stuck inside because of COVID and people are losing their job mm-hmm. and people are losing their livelihoods. And then on top of that, we're stuck at home. So now we're, we're looking at our phones and we're, and we're, we're getting this information overload and we're seeing all these people that are being assaulted by the police. So then we go and protest. Mm-hmm. And then while we're out protesting, mm-hmm. we're like, well, wait a minute, these shops are getting ready to open up and they're easy for us to loot. So you told me a story offline about somebody's store that was looted and it was really powerful. I wanted you just to sort of reiterate that story. Yeah, my boy, uh, Joe Starworth, uh, he owns a shop downtown called The Small Shop. African-American owner, loves everybody. Everybody knows him in the neighborhood. I, I believe Kevin Durant has been to a store. Uh, um, Deontay Wilder has been to a store. And his store was uh, broken into and looted. And so if anybody knows Joe, you're like, yo, why would you break into his store out of all stores? You know, because he's a person that's for the people. He's a person that's for the cause. But Joe took a different approach. He said, if it means someone breaking into my store, if it means saving a life, that's more important than my store. Burn it down. If it saves one life, burn the store down. That was his approach. And he he called me the other day and said, man, you know, uh, the outpouring, his sales even increased when people found out that was him. He said, I made more money in a day than I made ever in doing the store. So it became a blessing of all things working together for the good. Um, And so that's been a blessing. It's an inspiring story, you know, but that's when you have people just being reckless. They just want to destroy. This is the reason why I understand now why Martin Luther King's nonviolent movement was so powerful. And I think we all missed it. In the history books, we all missed it because we ready to bear arms. We ready to take by force, which is nothing wrong with that. But Anytime that you're seeing destruction, that is the spirit of the enemy. Kill, steal, and destroy. What Martin was coming was nonviolent and peace. Because if you're going to fight something, you got to fight it with the opposite. You got to fight it with that light. Light drives out darkness. So you can't fight destruction with destruction. It's not going to happen. So I was like, ah, no wonder why he was so powerful. No wonder why his movement was so incredible. And I'm not saying that we don't need the noise that we're making right now. I'm not saying that. I'm also not saying that prayer, uh, uh, pray and be silent. I'm not saying that neither. You know what I'm saying? Pray and be loud, but be loud in the right way. You know, so unity is what we need. Reform is what we need. Uh, We need to get into the system to change the system. But the great thing about it, I'm very hopeful. you're doing great things at, over at, at Nike. I'm doing great things in, in, in my career, in my field, and the people that um, that listen to me and the people that listen to the Stone Cutters podcast. And so we got to continue to be the light. Buildings can be rebuilt. People can. Stone Cutters podcast. Um, you can reach us over email, stonecutterspodcast at gmail.com if you have questions. Um, the Stonecutters podcast is available on all major streaming podcast platforms. You can also listen to past episodes on stonecutterspodcast.com. So, Will, uh, this is a question that I've been kind of thinking about, and I wanted to get your your take on it. What does it mean mm-hmm. to be black? Ah, glory. <laughs> 
Oh man, it you know, it means <laughs> you know, I just get filled with, I love being black. And not because it's the color of my skin. Because it's strength, it's love, it's joy, it's power, it's um uh, perseverance, you know. Um to me, and this is my opinion, you know, you you can't get to white unless you go through black. That's just the color spectrum. So we got to be the original people, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that's my opinion. I love all people. Um, but when I think about being black, I just think about art, man. You know, I think about art and art, not just in the form of painting, but just art in itself. It's like, oh, wow, man. It just, it's just amazing to be to be black. I like being black. I never had a problem with being black. I never wanted to be anything other than black. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what it's like to be Caucasian. I don't know what it's like to be Asian. But when I show up in the world, you know, and this is the suit that I'm dressed in. It's just a suit. You know, the spirit was matters. It's just a suit. But I love my suit. And I think everybody should love the suit that they come in. You know, uh, that's that's just it gives me a joy. So when you said that, I just started smiling because it made me think about James Brown. Say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It makes me think about music. It makes me think about all those things that uh, uh, the rich culture of, 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 of our people. And that's what I think about when I think about uh, what does it mean to be black? I think that was the question that you asked me. That was the question. Now, what about for you? You know what I'm saying? Because... You know, both of my parents, from what I know, are black. Your parents are mixed. So what does it mean for you to be black? Um, I'm still trying to figure that out in terms of identity. Um, from growing up and having my father in jail and my father being the black one and my mother being white and my mother raising me, like my mm -hmm. mother has always been white. My grandparents are white. My two uncles are white. Mm -hmm. My cousins on my mom's side are all white. So growing up, I was surrounded by white people and I was a light-skinned mixed kid. And when they find out that I'm mixed, there's this, kids, there's this, um, they don't like black. Mm -hmm. pretty i mean to, to 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 put it bluntly you know like i would be called the swirl mm -hmm. the squirrel like they would say squirrel in like the you're a squirrel like swirl squirrel like mm -hmm. there were all these different names that, that i got called and everything like that and i can tell you that you've always loved being black but i don't think that growing up for a large portion of my childhood i was proud of it or that i even understood it Mm -hmm. You know, my mom would take me to D.C. to see my aunts, my, my father's sisters, and there's three of them, and they live in D.C., and they are, it's funny, they're all, all three of the sisters are three shades of black, like you have your, um, mm. you have your light-skinned aunt, I have my, like, my, my mm -hmm. middle-of-the-road aunt, and then I have, like, my dark-skinned aunt, so, like, mm -hmm. all, the, all the aunts are there, right, and I get to see the, the different flavors of black people and they are like black from Virginia, from North Carolina. These are, these are black, black folks. Mm -hmm. right? So then I come around and they embrace me. Like, yeah. They, they embrace me like, like, like I'm one of their own. Right. But I'm still mm -hmm. struggling with who I am. And 
to, to just put everything in context, I'm growing up and I'm going to an all white elementary school and I'm the only black kid in my class. Wow. Um, and then we move and I, and we move to a predominantly black area. And in uh, my last year in middle school and through high school, I went to a black, a predominantly black school. So I'm going to the white school and I'm black and I'm weird for being half black. And then I go to, mm-hmm. the, and then I go to the black school and I'm, and people are looking at me weird because I talk differently or because I'm light skinned or because I'm mixed. So in both of those realms, I never really felt the comfort, right? And it hasn't been until mm-hmm. recently, until moving to Portland. And a lot of the traveling that I did too, it kind of opened me up to the fact that the world is becoming more mixed. The, the, the black mm-hmm. folks, the Asian folks, the Latino folks are continuing to mix with white people, with other races, and we're creating people that have an identity that is composed of multiple nationalities. And those are, that's where mm-hmm. we, that's what true diversity is, right? And I started to mm-hmm. embrace that and I would go visit other countries and people in those countries would be like, they would speak, to, like when I went to India, I didn't really look like this, but when I was in India, they were speaking to me in Hindi because they thought I was Indian. When I was in Peru, they were speaking to me because they thought I was Peruvian. When I was in Brazil, they spoke to me a certain way when I was in the Philippines. So I went to all these different countries and I felt a kinship and a connection simply from being mixed, right? There's the, mm-hmm. I, don't have, I don't have any Brazilian in me. I don't have any uh, Filipino in me, but they, were, they saw that and they were like, oh, you're from America and you're mixed with multiple races. That's the, that's the good thing because you're getting the good from, mm-hmm. from both races and you're bringing them together. So mm-hmm. move, but mm-hmm. moving to Port, living in LA and when I lived with you in LA, we were a part of black theater troops and I helped out and I supported, but I never got the sense that I was in a black Mecca. We would go to Roscoe's chicken and waffles mm. and I, and it didn't connect. You know, we would go to these, mm. these landmarks, we would go to the Watts towers and you're like, okay, that's cool. But that's a black landmark. Um, it wasn't until I moved mm-hmm. to Portland and I started to get the, I started to make the connection and everybody in Portland sees me as being black. And when I get to Nike, mm-hmm. they see me as being black. And the people that I meet at Nike that I have this, the tightest connection to are black people. And, mm-hmm. and being at Nike and seeing other black people that need help, that need support, that, like, I felt the kinship with them. And they felt the kinship with me. And we were able to connect over things that are innately black or the way that I dress or the way that I come across as a person, the swagger, the things that you're talking about, the art and everything like that. Mm-hmm. They saw that and they appreciated in me and them mm-hmm. recognizing it and appreciating in me helped me to be more confident in my identity. Now in the past, mm-hmm. in the past week, I've had the white side of my family reach out to me and show and send me pictures of them at, protests and send me pictures of them donating to the NAACP or donating to these, to these different funds and everything like that. And it's kind of strange for me because Mm -hmm. I, it's, it's, it's just awkward because they're, Mm -hmm. you know, these like, 
for regular white people, they're not related to black people, but they're people that are on the fringes that are either married to black people, they've married into a black family, you know, they have a brother or sister that had a child that is mixed, which is me, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it brings them closer. The subject gets closer to them and they become more engaged and involved because now they know somebody that's been discriminated against by the police. They know somebody mm-hmm. that's been discriminated at work. They know somebody mm-hmm. that's been discriminated for shopping at a store. So it's, um, black for me is resilience, persistence, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, flavor, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, power, Mm -hmm. um, empowering and inspiring. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, Will, where, where do we go from here? What can we do today? Well, we, what can we do today to help our listeners, to help them take action or to put them into a place where they don't, if we have listeners that aren't white, I mean, sorry, that aren't black and they may have a sense of guilt, how do we alleviate that sense of guilt for people that are black that feel overwhelmed, that don't know what to do next? What can we do for mm-hmm. them? Well, I would say, well, first of all, brother, I appreciate you sharing uh, that and uh, applaud your journey. You know, uh, black is a journey. Um, it's a journey. Black is a journey. You know what I mean? And we all on a journey. And I just love, before I answer the question, I just love what, what Martin would say. You know, you judge a man by the, not by the color of his skin, but by the contents of his character. Um, it's funny that we're in 2020 and we're still talking about racism, you know what I mean? But we are. And I don't want any person that is not black to feel guilt. Um, there's no need for feeling guilty. Uh, just just be, a, be a part of the change. Just like black folks, be a part of the change. You know, uh, that's what we all need to be doing to protect the one human race is to be a part of the change. You know, when you know that you have privilege, see it from another person's lens. You know, lift people up, share information, uh, share wisdom, share knowledge. Knowledge is power. You know, so uh, lift a brother up. That brother may be white, brother may be Asian, brother may be black, but lift a brother up, lift a sister up. There's so many... (laughs) Uh, I know you trick it up, not be tricking. I'll be uh, throwing people off when I see my, uh, my, 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 my sisters of lighter skin, you know, my, my white sisters, my Caucasian sisters. When I see them, I'll be like, sis. And cause that's just how I relate to people. It's sis. I'm not looking at your skin complexion, you know, deciding who you are. I'm using those terms just to bring identification for what we are talking about right now. Endearment. But to me, Endearment, yeah. But if you see me on the street, my wife will tell you. You know, if I'm sitting there talking to you and you may not be black, I'm always sus. What's up, bruh? What's up? It's just the way I am because what our listeners can do is be the change in the conversation. Oh, you can't. You don't need to try to change the world. Change that one person. 
change that one person, but change that one person first, which is yourself. Mm. Be the change for yourself first. And when you do that, it will automatically highlight the change in others. And that's when we come up, we show up, they're like, yo, y'all so full of light. Y'all, y'all just got this joy and this glow because we have done the inner work. You know, we have allowed life and experiences and we're constantly self-evaluating ourselves so that when we show up in the world, that we can be the light to others. That's what it's about. That's the importance of it. So just be the change. Be the change to yourself first. Look at the things that you don't want to look at. If someone's on here and saying, hey, I identify with Will's story, I identify with Aaron's story. Oh, you know what? I feel guilty and I don't know why. And maybe you have some things in your closet that, you know, what your family has done. That ain't you. You can be the change. You came through that family. don't mean that you're responsible for what they did. You can't continue to carry the baggage of that family. There's a there's a there's a Buddhist uh, story that talks about two monks coming to a river, and there's a a woman in a dress, and she needs to cross the river, but uh, monks aren't allowed to touch women, and they uh, one of the monks picked the woman up, carried her on his shoulder, and brought her across the river, and dropped her off, and then the two monks continued to walk, and the second monk um you know later on that day was like why did you carry that woman across we're not supposed to do that there's all these things wrong with that and the monk that carried the woman across said you're still carrying her i dropped her off at the edge of the river and you're continuing to carry that baggage with you on to the next mm -hmm. We still going. Okay, so the monk story. What part uh, did it cut out on? Uh, the one monk had carried the woman across the river. Once they got across the river, the monk, the first monk let the lady go and they continued walking. And shortly thereafter, the second monk turned to the first monk and said, why did you carry that woman across? That's wrong. We're not supposed to be doing that. <laughs> and the first monk said, listen, I let that woman go. I dropped her off at the edge of the river. You're still carrying her. You're still carrying the burden from that, from that conversation. Let that go. So, so Will, from, from, you got to let these, you got to let some of these things go and the guilt that you may have associated with things that your, that your family had done in the past. You just have to let that go. You there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Last thing I heard, you gotta let things go. Yes. Uh, Will, you talked about some things and some actions. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I just wanted to put out there for people to get a better sense of yourself when you hear this podcast, when you when you find the time, you have to create the time, whether it's an hour, ten minutes, two hours, to to really explore yourself and, and to come to peace with yourself before you can create that change in other people. 
and right now I, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of people saying that they're overwhelmed, that they're tired, that they're just, that there's a sense of hopelessness. And me and you know this, Will, is that taking that time for yourself to really understand and to process things and to figure out how you can be the mm -hmm. change is good. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Just, you know, be the change. Change, man. Be the change. Okay, so I'm picking up Jenny. Jenny, listen to the monk story. You one trip around us. You had the day that you depart. What matters between those dates is the dash between those dates. What did you do with the dash? Make the dash count. Make that dash count. And that's what we're trying to do with this podcast. That's what you're doing over at, at your place of work. That's what I'm doing at my place of work. We're doing something with the dash. Make that dash count. And say it loud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm black and I'm proud. <laughs> so, Will, uh, before we get out of here, uh, how are things going with the house and the and the the process for for purchasing a house? Well, we're in the final stages, man. We're in the final hour. We're in the, we're in the, we're in the final hour. Um, it's been long. It's been uh, uh, great. It's been kind of okay. Well, 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 what's going to happen? You know, we uh, we got all the boxes lined up, so we're ready to go. And I'm excited, man. It's it's done. It's done. That's what I myself like I said. It's done. It's done, it's done, it's done. I can't wait to redo the backyard. I can't wait to get into my garage like you in your garage, I, you know? So I'm, I'm just excited, man. You know, in the kingdom, we go from glory to glory. I remember being in an apartment that was 140 square feet. I was in that apartment for seven years, paying $683.50 a month on, on low income. Then I moved to another place. Then I moved to the place that I'm at. And so each time I can check my travel and say, man, remember you was in that box. And I don't discredit that box because I needed that space to purify myself so that when I was able to come out, I came out full of fire. And that fire for somebody may be inspiration. It may be joy. It may be passion. It may be the thing that you need to get to the next level. So I'm watching to this place. So I'm constantly progressing. And I think one thing that you do, Aaron, so well is you teach our listen listeners about systems and progress and progression. And don't get disappointed because things are not happening as fast as you want them to happen. Keep pushing forward. Eventually, you will be exactly where you thought yourself to be. Stonecutters Podcast, we out. <laughs>